0: Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode of Radiology Core Review. This is your host, Mohammed. We'll get started quickly. What artery feeds carotid body tumor? It is the ascending pharyngeal artery. Again, the artery that feeds the carotid body tumor is ascending pharyngeal artery. What are joint complications of hemochromatosis? Basically, similar to uh, CPPD, we get the hook osteophytosis, which involve all the MCP joints. This is a review question from a couple of days back. What are the posterior lateral corner structures? We said lateral cruciate ligament, IT band, biceps femoris, and popliteus tendon. Again, the posterior lateral corner structures are lateral cruciate ligament, IT band, biceps femoris, and popliteus tendon. Missed posterior lateral corner structure injury is associated with ACL repair failure, Arc and ring configuration is describing chondrosarcoma. So arc and ring configuration typically describes soft tissue calcifications consistent with chondrosarcoma. What is aliasing artifact? This is a flow-related ultrasound artifact that shows that the blood flow direction appears to be reversed. And on waveform, we see the high-frequency component wrapping around the negative extreme. How to correct alias and artifact. We have different options. One, we can increase the pulse repetition frequency or PRF. Increase the velocity scale. We can increase the Doppler angle. If we increase the Doppler angle, we decrease the Doppler shift. And we can also change the baseline setting or use a lower ultrasound frequency probe or ultrasound frequency. Again, uh, we can correct for aliasing through a couple of things. One We can increase the pulse repetition frequency, increase the velocity scale. When we increase the velocity scale, this increased the pulse repetition frequency. We can increase the Doppler angle, which decreases the Doppler shift. We can change the baseline sitting or use a lower ultrasound frequency. Again, aliasing artifact is when we're measuring flow and the flow is faster than the gate or the expected flow that we anticipated for on color we see reversal of flow so we'll see red color instead of for example we'll see blue instead of red and if we're using waveform we'll see wrapping of the higher frequency component into the negative range Review from yesterday, common etiologies for Wernicke encephalopathy. This is related to vitamin B deficiency. We said it's seen in alcoholic starvation, can be seen in post-bariatric patients, in hyperemesis gravidum patients, and chronic dialysis patients. We said the main finding is increased T2 and flare signal in the mammary bodies, dorsomedial thalamite, tactile plate, and periaqueductal area, as well as the, around the third ventricles this question is not really a question is basically a long list of things hopefully you can remember a couple of them what intracranial processes can cause diffusion restriction or diffuse restrict diffusion commonly infarction or diffuse hypoxic injury for neoplastic process most common ones are lymphoma epidermoid cyst and xanthogranuloma infection abscess or empyema can cause it for trauma We have a hematoma, can uh, have diffusion restriction, diffuse axonal injury, Wallerian degeneration, and status epilepticus can demonstrate diffusion restriction. Finally, metabolic or toxic, carbon monoxide poisoning, and hypoglycemia can demonstrate diffusion restriction. And demyelination, acute disseminated encephalomyelitis, would demonstrate diffusion restriction. There are a lot of diseases that demonstrate diffusion restriction. And this is just a quick summary again. Infarction, diffuse hypoxic injury, lymphoma, epidermoid cyst, xanthogranuloma, abscess, hematoma, carbon monoxide poisoning, and diffu- and hypoglycemia all demonstrate diffusion restriction. FID and THAD. So FID stand for transient hepatic intensity difference. And THAD stands for transient hepatic attenuation difference. These are the same process. Thad is seen in MRI that is seen on CT scan what this is is this is due to diffuse mismatch between hepatic arterial and venous uh, or portal venous flow where we have increased hepatic arterial supply which shows arterial enhancement in a region that should not enhance these are benign processes and typically on the edge of the liver They can be primary, such as focal hypervascular lesion or variant hepatic anatomy or response to inflammation, meaning increased arterial blood supply. They can be secondary due to decreased portal venous flow, which means that there is increased arterial flow to compensate for it. Compression on the portal vein, but the arterial flow would overcompensate. Compression can be due to trauma. And finally, arterial portal shunting would also demonstrate arterial enhancement. Again, FID or THAD. THID is transient hepatic intensity difference seen on MRI. THAD is transient hepatic attenuation difference, which is seen on CT scan. What we see is mismatch in hepatic arterial and portal venous flow where there is arterial flow into the portal phase and we see arterial enhancement of a portion of the liver when we should not expect to see that. This is a benign process and it's not cancerous. What are the most common causes for bronchiectasis? Most common cause overall is cystic fibrosis. Common but less frequent include allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, post-infection, TB, or atypical myobacterium. There are rare causes such as Monnier-Kuhn, Cartagner syndrome, or uh, A-gamma globulinemia. I wouldn't worry about those if you can remember cystic fibrosis, post-infectious, allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, TB, and atypical mycobacteria. Complications related to IUD or chronic placement of IUD. We have increased risk of infection. Obviously, we have a surface that is abnormal in the uterus, which can be colonized. Common infection is actinomyces or actinomycosis. If pregnancy occurs in the presence of IUD, there is an increased risk for ectopic pregnancy. Again, this is a very sensitive line because there are studies that shows it does not increase risk of ectopic. But if you can remember that if a pregnancy were to occur in the presence of IUD, there is an increased risk for the pregnancy to be an ectopic pregnancy. What is the radiation exposure in a head CT scan? for a head ct scan we have 2 millisieverts again head ct scan we have 2 millisieverts for prospective and abdomen pelvis ct scan is 10 millisieverts. a chest ct scan is 7 millisieverts again radiation exposure for the head is 2 millisieverts for the abdomen pelvis it's 10 millisieverts and for the chest it's 7 millisieverts that's for the patient the yesterday we said that the total body dose limit is 50 millisieverts, meaning total exposure for a worker in a year. The limit for it is 50 millisievert per year. So it's like getting 25 head CT scan. What is retal lobe? This is a tongue-like projection of the right lobe that extends all the way down to the iliac crest, typically seen in women. Again, redal lobe is a normal finding where the right lobe extends to the iliac crest, typically seen in women. That's not hepatomegaly. For prostate cancer, what is the most important finding that would grade cancer in the peripheral zone on the peripheral zone we use the wdi sequence for grading cancer in the transitional zone we use t2 to give the worst prognostic feature in a nodule so for prostate MRI we typically depend where the cancer is we'll use grading features or imaging feature to grade each nodule that we have now as long as you doesn't matter which sequence you see the nodule on it's you can use any sequence to see the nodule then you go back if the nodule for example in the transition zone you use T2 feature to give it the prognostic or the grading for that zone for that nodule and then if it is in the peripheral zone you use the WDI to give it the worst prognostic grading now even if the for example a peripheral zone is more visualized on a T2 you'll still use the DWI again we use DWI for peripheral zone lesion, and we use T2 for transition zone nodules the way I remember it is T2 T starts with uh, transitional same thing T and T2 is transitional peripheral I just remember it's the other one so peripheral we use DWI anatomy question Where's the transverse ligament of the atlas? So basically this is a ligament that acts like a seat belt around the dents. And the alar ligaments are two ligaments that project that are like holding the dents in place. Meaning they're hugging it from the right and left sides. And the transverse ligament is a ligament that holds it like as if it's a seat belt on somebody's belly. What are the common phases of CT urogram? We have four phases. Some institutions only have three phases, but the common four phases is an arterial phase, so typically done at 25 seconds, and this opacifies the renal arteries. We have the corticomedullary phase. It's also referred as the angionephrogenic phase which is 40 seconds after injection this is best for evaluating the renal vein the medulla is not well opacified meaning we only see the cortex as being enhancing and the medulla is not enhancing or not enhancing well enough now the next the third phase is the nephrographic phase this is approximately 80 seconds after injection of contrast this is best phase for evaluating parenchymal lesions because the cortex and medulla will enhance and finally the pylographic phase otherwise known as excitatory phase or urographic phase. This is typically from 3 minutes to 10 or 15 minutes, where we have opacification of the ureters and the collecting system. Again, CT urogram is four phases, arterial phase at 25 seconds. We have enhancement of the renal arteries, corticomedullary phase, also known as the angiographic phase, at 42nd, best to see the renal vein. If there is a renal vein thrombus, the medulla is not enhancing. So we see the cortex and the medulla is hypoenhancing. Nephrographic phase where the cortex and medulla are both bright. This is best for characterizing a parenchymal lesion. And finally, pylographic or excitatory or urographic phase, which is done from three minutes onward, which shows contrast material in the collecting system. Some institutions do not have the arterial phase. Imaging features of hemangioblastoma. This is a cystic mass with an enhancing mural nodule. So cyst, the cystic part will be T2 bright. There will be a T2 bright edema around the cyst. We will see flare signal in the nodule obviously flare suppresses fluid so it would not be as bright the cyst will not be bright but the nodule would be bright this is associated with von vanhebelandu or vhl common locations cerebellum modulla or spinal cord if it is in the spinal cord it can be associated with a syrinx again hemangioblastoma a cystic mass with an enhancing mural nodule the cyst wall does not enhance just the mural nodule that enhance on post-contrast imaging on flare signal The signal within the cyst will drop out, but we will still have flare signal or edema in the nodule and around the cyst. Again, hemangioblastoma is strongly associated with VHL and can be in the cerebellum, medulla, or spinal cord. Review from yesterday. Or two days ago chemical shift of the second kind this is we said the chemical shift that is used to describe the presence of microscopic fat where we have in phase and out of phase imaging this is when we have both water and fat contained within the same voxel we said on the out of phase imaging the resonance frequency of fat is slower than water and so we have signal drop out This is seen in GRE sequence and associated with the India ink artifact. Again, this can be used to quantify fat within the liver because of signal dropout as the fat content increases. Obviously, maximum dropout signal is when the water and fat ratio is 50%. Etiologies for contrast reflexing into IVC. So typically, the most common thing is benign and we ignore that whenever we see contrast in the IVC from a chest CTA or so on but it can be due to right heart dysfunction, such as pulmonary hypertension, congestive heart failure, chronic atrial fibrillation, or pulmonary embolus. So any increased blood pressure or pulmonary pressure on the right side of the heart will cause contrast to go into the IVC instead of remaining in the heart. Commonly, we just ignore it unless it's really severe. Myelofibrosis. Myelofibrosis describe a myelodysplastic syndrome that characterized by replacement of the bone marrow by fibrous tissue. Now, this would be associated with extramedullary hematopoiesis because as you would expect, the bone marrow is not produced in red red blood, or red blood cells. So we get splenomegaly, hepatomegaly, and paraspinal masses. We can see this in sickle cell disease or additional pathologies. Again, myelofibrosis is myelodysplastic replacement or marrow, bone marrow replacement with fibrous tissue, which result in splenomegaly, hepatomegaly, and paraspinal masses to compensate for the lost ability of the bone marrow to produce blood cells. What is pseudogynecomastia? This is enlarged breast due to fat without fibroglandular tissue this is seen in commonly in men again pseudogynecomastia is enlarged breast due to fat not fibroglandular tissue what factors increase adenomyosis well what is adenomyosis adenomyosis is the presence of endometrial tissue in the myometrium or muscles of the uterus This can be seen or increased due to childbirth, caesarean section, trauma, and tubal ligation. Again, adenomyosis is increased due to childbirth, caesarean section, trauma, and tubal ligation.